0: Thriving, Not Surviving, with your host, Gina Gardner. To lead others, you first need to be the best version of yourself and lead from a place of wholeness. Motivation, empowerment, leadership, personal and spiritual development are just a few of the topics you will hear on Thriving, Not Surviving. So sit back and enjoy the show with your host, Gina Gardner,
1: hello there and welcome to today's show and i'm really really thrilled to uh, introduce my guest to you tj thomas and i've worked with him Um, he's helped me as a mentor and i can only say what an amazing guy he is i'm going to read his bio because it's very impressive and i don't want to miss anything tj thomas loves teaching and helping others overcome their fear of selling he's built three different million dollar companies And has produced over 500 million dollars in sales he especially looks forward to working with coaches entrepreneurs consultants and other service providers because his priority is serving those that love to serve and help others and he's done it using a no pressure process called he calls unselling the truth is you don't need to use high pressure to get your future clients to say yes and is going to be sharing with you today how you can do this. He lives in Sugarland in Texas with his wife of 23 years and two children, and he runs all of his businesses from home. As I say, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on my show. I know you've helped me, and I know you're going to help lots of people who are listening. So just share a bit of your story. How have you got from where you started to, you know, Five hundred million dollars is, you know, it's not a small sum, is it?
2: <laughs> it's uh, first off, I would say, Gina, thank you so much for having me on the program. Uh, I've spent a joy working with you, and I know that you, just like me, like to serve other people, and uh, um, I'm just I'm so excited to be here. Uh, yeah, so it absolutely it's, it is a lot large sum of money. If you told me when I first started my career that I would be doing where, where I'm at now and doing that type of volume, I would have laughed at you and said, there's just no way. So I've uh, been in the sales industry for over 30 years now, and this is my, actually my 31st year. Started off very part-time, and I was always taught high pressure. I was taught, hey, you need to do it this way. You got to use techniques. You got to get people to say yes. And even though I learned it and I was good at it, I just did not make me feel good. So I said to myself, and again, I was at a full-time job at that time. I was teaching. I, I started out my life as an educator and I did a lot of part-time sales and I was actually making more money for my part-time than I was my full-time. I just loved working with kids and, and doing what I was doing. But that actually changed my life. Working with children is what actually changed my life because I, I wasn't actually a teacher as you would see, you know, in primary, or secondary where people, uh, You know, I would have one teacher for the whole day. I was actually a supplemental teacher that taught algebra, calculus, and, uh, you know, advanced math to elementary kids, you know, mostly fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And it was really a self-esteem program. But the thing is, I was only allowed to teach using what was called the Socratic method of teaching, Socratic pedagogy, right? Which means I couldn't make any statements. I only had, was only allowed to ask questions. So during that time, I was like, wait a second, how are these kids just gonna learn without me making statements or lecturing like they t- t- traditionally do in school? And it was amazing. It was eye-opening. So all of these children were having discoveries. And the thing was they were figuring out themselves. They were selling themselves that they were they, they could do this, they can further themselves, and that changed my life in sales. So I just started looking at asking questions and getting people to start making self-realizations. And really, that is what we're here for, right? We, we don't want to force our product or service on other people. We want them literally to buy, not so, you know, you can make a commission or make a sale. So they are going to get some value from it and actually help them with their business or whatever they're looking for help for. So that literally changed my life. And then I went on, I you know, started different companies. And the unselling system was something that I was always in a kind of a, kind of a globulous state. And and then I said, you know what, I, I have to get this down. So many people are asking me, what is it that, I, what it is that I do and how I've made millions of dollars and, and created revenue streams for all these companies that I was working with. So that's what I did. I put it all together. I've got the unselling system. And I used to work mostly with salespeople, which I yes. do work with some now, but just like you said, initially, my passion is helping other people like to serve others. Yes. So even though salespeople are awesome, you know, the the serving part wasn't always there sometimes it seemed like they were more focused just on getting a commission and i wanted something deeper than that something more so i started working mostly with coaches and other consultants, sellers you know consultants service providers and really all i do is i just we just take a look at what it is that they're you know uh, what their core offer is and i share with them how to get people to literally sell themselves so instead of converting at 10 or 15%, if you use what I teach on selling, a lot of my students are converting at 50%, 60%, and even higher without getting objections, without getting complaints and refunds, and they have a high lifetime value. So yeah, it has been a journey for me, and I've enjoyed every step of it. There were some challenges in there as well, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed it because it just made me strong, made me you know, uh, realize what I had was something special that I want to share with as many people as possible. And yeah, so that's kind of the short of it is just, I started pretty basic and then just was very consistent and it really doesn't matter the dollar amount I've sold, you know, from a few hundred dollars up to $150,000 over the phone. And it's, and it's, it's just based on getting, you know, really understanding what people are about, where they want to go and making sure that you can take away their pain or lead them towards that pleasure by asking questions and getting them to self-discover.
1: One of the things that made me realise that you were someone I wanted to work with is because there was such a huge emphasis on it had to be a quality service. It had to be something that served the other person. It wasn't about trying to sell snow to Eskimos. It was really about having the integrity that you wanted very much to provide service and help and support in whatever format that may be for other people. And I just wonder what your view is in terms of, you know, there's so many people who, who resist selling or think that particularly if you're in one of the holistic therapies, for example, that you shouldn't be charging. And I just wondered what your view was on that.
2: Yeah. So if you have, whether it's like, you know, like you said, like a, like a healing type of coach, uh, of somebody, somebody's in fitness, you know, spirituality mindset, the thing is for us to be able to impact the market, right? Our target market, the way yeah. that we want to, we first have to get them on as clients, right? So it'd be great just to just give a lot of things away for free. And I'm not saying not to give things away for free. Like if they if you have a Facebook group or if you have a PDF or some videos <laughs> or content that you've done, it'll give people a general idea of what they need to do. But for people to r- really maximize, there's usually a paid component that you as a coach consultant should have you should have that because they can get people to go to another level so they may get to a certain level but for them to go further they're going to go need to go deeper with you right it could be in a group setting it could be one-on-one right it could be as part of a membership site but they have to have a way to go deeper um for, so really the way i tell people is if you truly want to serve your market sometimes the surface level information you give is typically not deep enough for them to get there. Now, if they really focus on the self-starters and they go out and do everything that you say step by step, it, there's poss- it is a possibility it can get done. But the reality is, because I've been doing this for a long time, that's not the way things work. Most people need to have a mentor, need to have a guide to show them, you know, the ropes, as they say. Yes. I still remember struggling so much in my early entrepreneurial days, and I was trying to figure everything out on my own. But when I got a mentor, someone actually helped me, I went from literally being broke to making my first six figures. And after that, I made my f- first seven figures very shortly after, you know, very like less than two years after that. So, you know, guidance, mentorship uh is really important no matter what your market is. So uh, yeah, the, the the one thing you said was sometimes people just don't feel like selling, you know, or <clears throat> they're kind of uh selling aversive, I sometimes say. And I tell everyone, you everyone's a salesperson. <laughs> you're all salespeople. It doesn't no matter how how much you want to realize it or not, you are a salesperson, right? Every time there's, a, 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 you know, every time two people meet, there's some kind of sale typically going on, right? You're either going to sell them your way of thinking or your product or service, or they're going to sell you on their point of view, right? So there's usually a sale going on, but coaches especially like lifestyle, health, you know, mindset, you know, spirituality, they don't typically like to sell. They don't like to sell, right? So I tell people that unselling was developed for that person. It was developed exactly for that because unselling just means anti-high pressure and is basically a conversation that you have with somebody you totally care about. So it is important people focus on selling. It really is because the only way that you can spread your message is to get clients a yeah. clients, you have to sell, right? But you don't have to sell in a sleazy or slimy way. Most people I teach, I mean, everybody I teach to sell that to align with their core values. So you can most definitely align with your core values and still sell and be happy. And then you can get to coaching or consulting your, your, your true passion. But let's get them in on as a client first. <laughs>
3: I think
1: you know, there's a, a lot that you say that that, that resonates and I know um, that when I first started working with, with you that one of the things that really struck me was that, that you had said that, um, that it's relationships that sell. You know, people buy from people and they've got to trust and like you and recognise that what you're offering is something that's going to be of real value to them. And that for me that that felt right that resonated and i you know i want to help people and those who've listened to this show know that i have a mission to positively impact on a million people through the development of enlightened leadership and what i recognized through working um with you and and you know taking a step back was to help more people i needed to let people know that i could help them And the only way to do that was through the process of marketing and selling. And ultimately, I'm selling who I am, but I'm also selling a a resolution, if you like, for other people who want to be happier, to be more successful, to be uh, more fulfilled. Um, And it just struck me that what you were offering was a platform for people to do that in a way that had huge integrity which was very important to me
2: absolutely i mean i think integrity-based selling sometimes is is a lost art when i when i hear the way people pitch because remember i'm a consumer you're a consumer yeah we're all consumers so we go into the real world we may get calls and yeah. a lot of times the questions people ask typically is you can see that there's a end game right there's some kind of they're not asking me because they really care about it. They're just asking me because they want to get to the next part of their script or they want to get to their sale. So what I tell people is have integrity-based conversations. Truly, if you focus on helping people, like detach yourself from the sale. Don't worry about them as a client. Just focus on them. Now, here's the thing. You cannot just be a nice person and expect to make a lot of money or, or change people's lives. You just can't. Yeah. You can be a nice person and sell, if, if that makes sense, right? So yeah. so a lot of times people think, okay, well, I'm just super nice and I'm friendly and therefore I'm going to get a lot of customers, or a lot of clients. And then they come to me and go, I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. I mean, I've got good products. You know, I've got a membership site. You know, I really, truly care about my, uh, you know, clients and future clients. But I'm not getting anyone to join my program, what's going on? And I'll listen to their call, and then I just make a few minor tweets, and all of a sudden they're getting people knocking down their door. And the main thing that I change is well, a couple things. One is you don't want to coach on strategy calls. If you're having a strategy call, a consulting call, you don't want to coach. Because here's the thing. If you coach on that call, then why are they going to hire you? <laughs> There's no real reason to hire you. Right? They'll say, well, okay, Gina, let me just test, test some, of, some of those theories out, and I'll get back with you. Yeah. So the first thing you don't want to do is you don't want to coach. But what you do want to do is you want to have a conversation and listen because your future client will tell you everything that you need to do so you can so they can so that you can hire, so they can hire you as their coach or consultant, right? And the way that works is you have a conversation as if you it's your best friend or a family member. And if they come to you with a problem, you're asking questions about that problem. So a lot of times if 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 your friend comes to you and goes, you know, Gina, I'm, I'm having a rough day. You're, you're going to go, you're not going to go, oh, okay, well, let me just, let's talk about something else. You would yeah. ask, so what exactly happened? How's that making you feel? How's it impacting your, your family? How's it impacting your health? You know, uh, if things don't change right now, are you going to be able to make it over the next few days? What can I do to help? So those are the type of questions you would ask, but in the sales situation, the coaching, a lot of times people go away from that and they just follow a script. Now, I've got to think it's script. In fact, I have a software that helps people develop scripts, um, but I don't focus on the script that you read word for word, it's more of a guide. What yeah. you're doing is you having a conversation, and what you're doing is you're finding out what is their problem, and the, or what is the pleasure they're going to, right? But the key is, you ask these questions so you can discover, but also they themselves can hear and discover themselves. Because a lot of times they don't know exactly what it is that they want. They don't. Most people don't. That's what they're coming to you, right? But to give them clarity, you know, sometimes people come to me, you know, and they want to be an entrepreneur and they'll say, well, I want to make, you know, a million dollars a year. And then I ask them, well what, do you, well, what do you mean by that? No, I want to make a million. Well, why do you want to make a million? Well, I don't know. That's what everybody seems like they're saying, <laughs> So I said, well, do you need to have a million dollars? I don't know. And then I'd start going through what their needs are. And they may say, I only need to make $6,250 a month. Yes. What's the difference between a million and dollars But then now if I get them to refocus on that, they can see themselves doing it. And then all my questions are based around that, right? So it's all about asking questions. And again, that person didn't know what they needed. Now they know because I asked some questions around that. So basically, whether it's spiritual mindset, fitness. If you're a book author coach, find out why they're there. So what prompted you to make this call, you know, or to set up this call, you know, and then you want to find out what it is that they're missing or what are they're shooting for. And you listen, ask questions, listen, ask questions. And then you're finding out all of their hot buttons, right? What their needs, what their real true wants are. And then when you're closing, what you're doing is you just basically, you know, tie all that together. Now I know we don't have a whole lot of time for me to go in depth, but I know that there's a there's a special gift that I really haven't told you a whole lot about that I'm going to give for your listeners that's that wonderful. Really Thank going you. to help them add at least a zero to their bottom line, um, but it's going to give them a lot more depth on what I'm sharing with you right now as well.
1: Brilliant. Um, a little more about the, the gift in in just a few moments, but. I really want to focus on you've talked a lot about asking questions and that started with your with your young people when you were teaching. But I think many people that I've come across are very good at asking the questions, but you've just made the point that you ask the questions, but then you really have to listen to the answers. And I think the skill of truly listening, not just to the surface of the answer, but you know, what's underpinning that surface and then asking another question that digs deeper so you as you say you help them get clarity but in helping them get clarity you too can tell much more whether indeed you're the right person for them because that's not always the case or whether they're the right client for you and if you're the right fit huge amount of information in terms of how you can then move them forward, not necessarily in that call, but over time.
2: Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head right there because uh, I've had people that cry on the phone. I've had people that cry and, and I'll ask what's wrong. You know, they're like, you know what? I've never been asked these questions before, not even by my spouse. They don't ask these questions. And I've had people, so a lot of times people think that it's your product or service that people are buying. I've had people invest you know, tens and tens of thousands of dollars on a service that I was selling. And after they bought it, they'd asked me, so wait a second, what did I just buy here? <laughs> you know, So because they were so in tune that I was gonna help them, and I did, right? That was, that's big, and I'm not gonna sell anything I don't believe in. So it was really clear to them that, that you know, that, man, whatever TG is talking about, he's super listening. So the point you made about listing is key. And, and if we don't talk about anything else, this is the one. And I'm so glad you brought that up because most people don't listen. <laughs> most people just don't. And I've listened to, oh, my goodness, probably over a thousand calls. I've, I've listened to tons of calls. And most people, when there are two people are talking, 45%, they've done you know, surveys, on the, I'm sorry, studies on this. So 45% of the time when two people are talking, the other person who's being talked to may have heard something. They go, oh, my gosh, I just heard what Gina said. And they start thinking about how to respond to you. Yeah. Another 45% of the time, they're thinking of when they can butt in to the conversation and interrupt you. Yeah. Which means 90% of the time, people aren't listening. And yeah. that, is, that inherently is a big problem in sales. See, you, when, when people don't listen, what they do is then they start projecting their offer and they're not truly really listening. So the offer is not aligned with the wants, desires, goals, and needs yeah. that the future client has. And because of that, there's, that's why people say no. So when you start aligning those things, like, you know, my, my wife and I, a few years ago, we bought her a car. Uh, we told the salesperson exactly what we're looking for. Our concern was safety, security for the family. That was it. We basically told them what was the main thing what that was important. And he spent no time talking about that. He ended up talking about cup holders and luxury and, the, you know, the, the room in the back, which is okay to weave those things in, but he didn't focus. He's so literally we were tuned out pretty much the whole sales pitch. So look at what you're doing. In fact, I tell people to record themselves, and you'll be shocked at how many times you cut people off, how you are you heard them say something, then you go on to something else. So I tell people just truly listen. You know, don't worry about it. What you what your end You you'll eventually get to where you're you're doing these strategy calls in about thirty to forty five minutes, but your first few may be over an hour, which is okay because you're learning, right? But yeah. eventually you'll get it narrowed, narrowed down, and then you're going to find out in a forty five minute call, wow! For every five calls I'm having, I'm converting three of them. Yeah. That's a big difference in converting zero or one out of every five, right? So yeah, listening is crucial, absolutely crucial. But if they if your students, if your listeners subscribers do that.
1: I, I have a view, though, that I think one of the reasons why you're so successful when you listen is so few people feel listened to in life. So when somebody truly homes in and is interested, and it has to come for me from the heart, it's no good just pretending, but being truly interested in that person and what you can do for them, that that person feels validated in a way that very often they don't feel in life. And I think that that's something that's very precious. And we all need to to learn to listen more, whether we're selling or not. You know, I say to my students, you've got two ears and one mouth for a very good reason. It should be that way around. But, you know, tell me, who's your ideal client?
2: So my ideal client, so I typically have focused working with coaches now, but mostly coaches, coaches. Yeah. Um, my if you talk about me specifically, my ideal client are coaches that are making typically between three and ten thousand a month, and they kind of plateaued. Yep. They, where they just can't seem to know how to scale. They may be doing organic or paid; really doesn't matter as long as it's not cold calling. So all the things yep. I'm teaching now is not really with cold calling, right? Uh, I used to cold call years ago, and I'll tell you right now that's not the way to go. With yep. what people can learn about with sales funnels and marketing processes, I don't really think you have to cold call. But what I'm teaching you right now works the best if when uh, you have inbound leads coming in. So I'm able to help people scale. That's what I do. So usually three to ten thousand dollars, and they plateaued. A coach, and typically in like you said, the the, the wellness market, health, the uh, you know uh, Reiki healing, and that's another big one. Now there's a lot of these you know mindset, spiritual type of uh, coaches that are wanting to help people, but they have a hard time. Figuring out a way to set up their selling process—that's my ideal client. But I do have other clients. I, do, you know, I have people that are book authors, uh, digital marketers, entrepreneurs. As long as they, uh, so I don't typically work with new people that have never gotten a sale before, right? Usually when they've gotten some sales. Uh, but the question you ask is great because it is important for your market to dial down exactly who it is that they work with as well. So you can get some outliers around that, but it's always best to focus on one specific market and help them out. But yeah, it's a, I, that's the joy. I, I love doing what I do because sometimes people come to me and goes, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this. I just can't. And then at the end of it, my training, they're like, oh my gosh, I never thought I would be able to do this. So it's, it's a real step-by-step process. Very natural. That's right. It's so natural and aligns with what most people, what their values are. So it's yeah. nothing against your values. And, you, and like you said, it's going to teach you life lessons. Yeah. It is great to listen to people. It's yeah. not good to cut people off consistently. It's good to listen to what they have to say. And many times, if you just listen, you don't sometimes they have, to have to do any selling. They'll just sell themselves, right? Yeah. So, so that's very, very crucial. Absolutely.
1: Brilliant. So tell us about the spring gift that you have for us.
2: So what I've done is uh, I, I know a lot of times people can get like PDFs or videos and things like that. Uh, I, have a, I have a course that, you, that you're familiar with, but I have pieces of that course that I actually sell a standalone uh, course because they're just that powerful. And, and I know you've already uh, you know, gone through this, but I've got a series that I call Deep Dive Audios that I sell alone. The retail value is nine ninety seven is what I sell it for. Um, usually, when I've sold it on specials, anywhere from 297 to 497 But I, for your, because I know you and you're awesome, I wanted yeah. to get that for your audience. So I, I know I've given you a link for it. Uh, there's now, oh, I, I did forget one thing. <laughs> and I, I forgot to tell you this as well. When people go to get this gift, it'll take you to an actual order form because it's, it's like I said, it's a real <laughs> purchase that they can make. They have to put in the, promo code power. So okay. it's got to be P-O-W-E-R. It's somewhere near the top. It'll say uh, put in the promo code. Once once they put it in, it'll zero everything out. There's nothing to buy. Uh, no upsells, nothing else. This is truly a gift that I want to help people with. But if, you know, if people listen to this and implement what I teach, I've got some extra bonuses within the bonus that uh, are, are PDFs that show people how to deal with uh, objections and, and you know, just get people to say yes consistently in a very ethical way so uh, I don't know if you want to share the link now but I have given everything set it up for your, your tribe all they've got yeah, to do thank you
1: so say- um, we'll put that, that link into the show notes okay. uh, so everybody can find that thank you very much but you if bet. you're listening to this remember to put the word power in um, as your promo code and then you'll get that for free I'd like to say a huge thank you for your time and for your generosity with the gift. Um, I know I found this very helpful. Um, I found it incredibly helpful working with you. And I'm sure there are lots of people out there, particularly after you know the crisis that came earlier in the year. Many people are setting themselves up as entrepreneurs and have taken the opportunity to do something different um, and are in that business where they're now wanting to increase uh, their capacity with clients and and selling their products so i think it's come at a really good time so thank you very very much for joining us and thank you so much for your gift
2: you're very very welcome
1: thank you we're going to take a short break now and we'll see you after the break for the next genuine chat but don't go away see you soon thanks very much
0: If you're a businesswoman who is overwhelmed or suffering from imposter syndrome, who is tired of having one disastrous relationship after another, or who finds it hard just to say no, well, it's time to take care of you. You get the best out of life by contacting Gina Gardner, relationship coach. And best-selling author and motivational speaker. Just visit genuinely-u.com, or you can email Gina directly at Gina at genuinely-u.com. Take action now. Start to thrive rather than simply survive. Imagine being a highly successful, enlightened leader who is in complete alignment with your best self, who makes a positive difference on a daily basis. Let me introduce Gina Gardner, an expert in developing transformational leadership with over 30 years of experience. Gina has developed a unique and unrivaled approach to help you step into your genuine power to become an enlightened leader and when you do amazing things happen go to enlightenedleadership.co or email Gina at Gina at genuinely-u.com
1: And welcome back. As normal in the, my show we're going to be um, doing a genuine chat and I'd like to introduce Rachel Davidson to you Hi there. Um, who is um, my good friend and assistant an amazing novelist okay. so we'll talk about that in a bit later and I'm Gina Gardner as you know and we are going to talk about justice this morning mm-hmm. and it's an interesting topic because many people feel that justice should be done
3: mm-hmm
1: but will have a very different view of what that justice should be Mm -hmm. according to their circumstances and their belief system.
3: Mm.
1: And thought it would be interesting to explore the whole business of justice because we have a law system. And uh, for those of you that are in the UK, there'll be similarities, but some differences between the UK and, for example, the US. Mm -hmm. But There's also the, the feeling of, you know, do you feel you have had justice um, within a family context, within an organizational context. And interestingly, I was talking to um, a a young man last night who felt as if he had um, been in a situation where there was a great sense of injustice Mm -hmm. because he felt he'd been treated unfairly. So we have justice in the sort of general day-to-day sense and then we have justice in terms of the legal and criminal sense. And so you're just going to spend the next um, 20 minutes looking at that. And I'd like you to think about it for yourself. When do you feel that there has been justice done? And When in your life have you felt that actually there was injustice? And interestingly, that many people who go through the courts to get justice because they feel they've been agreed or there's been a crime against them feel that justice has not been served either because the person who they feel has done the hurting of them has been um, got off on a technicality or because their lawyer happens to be more skilled than,
0: than yours,
1: or because the courts then have not given out a sentence that you feel is uh, appropriate to the crime. But justice, that sense of injustice, often it is true of us when we're children, you know, One of my earliest memories is being, in those days, teachers could smack. Mm -hmm. And I must have been about four. Mm -hmm. And I was smacked because Mm -hmm. I threw the beanbag early. But it wasn't me. And I can remember that huge Mm -hmm. sense of injustice because it wasn't me. And I wasn't allowed to put my point of view Mm -hmm. that the teacher had made an assumption.
3: And i would got the punishment. Yeah. So the words that probably went through your head is, that's not fair. So this concept of fairness is is at the heart of a sense of justice, isn't it? And it's fairly true that we all we all come on into this world with a, actually an innate sense of what is fair and what isn't. Absolutely. And, and the lawyers have a particular phrase that's sort of used as a bit of a rule of thumb for how sensible a, a, a legislation is when they talk about the common man on the clap and bus. You yeah, know, it would this be reasonable to the common man on the Clapham bus? Yes. They have that particular sort of. I won't call it a benchmark because it's it's just a feel. I will say that having had many years of experience in um, and around the civil side yeah. of uh, of the legal system, that if if you approach that whole system thinking that it is going to meet out justice, then you are wrong. Generally speaking. Yeah. <laughs> that the that when you get to the point of invoking legal systems, which I will, to my dying day, support the need for because they are part of a civil free society yeah. and the legal system must be separate from as much as it ever can be and it takes rigour to keep it separate, must be separate from the political system of the governing regimes. Um, but there, there is very little actual justice once you get into a legal system. When you're having um, this... This, I will say, is the civil rather than possibly the criminal, which happily I've not had much experience of. But civil side Mm -hmm. of things, you're you're basically arguing and um, it's he said, she said um, going on. And the process that that you're taken through um, is one of paperwork and and admin and... um, a lot of the time you are um, just down to sort of the mood of the judge on the day. Yes. So justice can sometimes fall your way and justice sometimes cannot. For instance, one of the companies I, I worked for um, definitely unfairly dismissed me and my solicitor sort of, you know, over a course of meetings nodded and said, mm, yes, yes, you've definitely got a case. The question is, when you, if you take it to tribunal, whether the judge will... Um, basically say uh, agree yes you've got a case and then and then um award you more than what you're basically being paid off with by the by the company now yes so that's just one example of how you know you think that the law system is set up to protect you and the reality is no it's not it's there for you to if you have the deep pockets and the aptitude to do it and you're prepared to apply yourself to it, yes. then you might just win an argument. But but in and of itself, the system is not will not be just. No. <laughs> it's Just because somebody says, "Oh my God, they've they have outright unfairly yes. acted towards you," and everybody can see it, and you know, but the reality is, that you might you might not come off better for it for having, you know, taken the sword of yes. justice and or the torture of justice and try try to win your case. Let's move it into a family situation
1: because I think so often issues arise with children in terms of how parents deal with them Mm -hmm. which will often have a far-reaching effect on that child's sense of self Mm -hmm. and particularly on the relationship that those siblings have one with another Mm -hmm. and there's often you know I work with clients who have let's put it this way they've long since left childhood Uh um, and they are still aggrieved about all the way in which they've been treated by their parents because they deem that um, unfair Uh Um, and I really appreciate it from the the parent and this works with teachers too how very often you're trying to sort out a situation that you haven't seen Uh that um that One child will be very upset or is younger um, and the other child um, may be bigger. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And there is a tendency to say you're old enough to know better when the younger child has really been winding that child Mm -hmm. up and then stands back and is quite satisfied with the result Mm -hmm. Um, or you're bigger, physically bigger. And so that child is expected to be more mature than they are emotionally mm. and behaviorally because they are physically big. Yeah. And, of course, this comes in the context. And if you're a parent, you'll know this very well, that you know that your children will be um, arguing, there'll be something going on, and you'll be trying to get on with something else, perhaps not in the same room, and they will come to you and ask you to meet out justice. Huh. And the chances are that whatever you do, one of them or if there are more than two, more of them, will consider that they that they have not been treated justly. And part of that is because we all see things from our own perspective mm-hmm. and rarely, uh, particularly with children, do they put themselves into the other person's shoes. Mm. And the dynamics within a family are often very complicated. So your position in the family, the oldest child is often expected to be the one to be more mature Mm -hmm. and maturity is nothing to do with age really you know people i've known people um who at seven show more maturity than many people i've known who have been in their 40s 50s 60s and 70s so much of it is their intrinsic personality Mm. and then of course life experiences Mm. but if you're in the family situation and you're a parent who is um trying to sort out a situation, particularly if it's a a pattern of behaviour, then it can be quite difficult to deal with that in a way that feels as if justice has been served. Um, And, you know, getting those children to recognise that each of them have played a part um, is difficult. Now, if you put that into the work context, that very often is just a bigger version of the family context, isn't it?
3: Well, I mean there's I mean, you would hope that the work context would, would A have have a bit more distance from emotions. Yes. In the sense that people understand um you know boundaries and, and professionalism in the sense of what is a, a good way of behaving in order to achieve a certain result versus a bad way. And yeah. families often don't bother to stick to those rules. Um but there are many companies
1: where the, um, the culture is that in, in written form, in the handbook, there are very clearly defined codes of conduct and of ways of, of behaving, mm.
3: Mm.
1: but they're not always met.
3: No, but if if you go out into the world expecting that, Ah,
1: that's a different thing, isn't it?
3: Well, I mean, <laughs> my daughter was moaning the other day about something that's very unjust in the sense of the education system and what she's being required yeah. to do, and, and it is unfair. And she's bemoaning the fact that um, she's not being told the truth about something, a, a truth that, frankly, if, if actually admitted in, in the open way she, she wishes it to be, to be done, would probably result in somebody losing their job. And I had to say to her, I, I totally feel for you, but why are you expecting somebody to tell you the truth in this situation? Why do you expect it to be fair? The whole, you know, look at the whole system. Look at what actually the individuals in that system are fearful of losing. So if you go into the world expecting justice and fairness, you're probably going to end up being quite disappointed most of the time because, A, fairness and justice is uh, subjective. Yes. It's down to what your values say and what your opinion is. And, and the likelihood is that you're probably not dealing with people who um, are willing to risk themselves for something that might benefit you. That's true. But if you take that um, to as your starting
1: point, I think the difficulty with that is that if you distrust people because you think they're not going to be fair, they're not going to serve justice, and that's your starting point, then it can then create a huge issue in terms of how you, you create um, and develop relationships over time.
3: Yeah, if that's your starting point. But I think if you wait long enough, most people will demonstrate that to you. <laughs> I think that makes it. <laughs> and if they sense. don't, hurrah! <laughs> we don't need to be having this conversation. But you know, we're talking about a, a sense. The only people people only start quoting about justice when they feel a sense of injustice. I think that's very true. Yeah? Really. And people don't talk about justice in the sense of um, mm, "I wasn't just then." It's always in the in the uh, "I have had an injustice done to me." They are unjust. Yeah. No, nobody tends to tends to sort of. You know, my daughter's not gonna come and sit in the car and, and talk about how how she she failed and she should have done this and she should have done that yeah and that's one of the reasons that we talk about
1: radical responsibility because yeah. in every situation there you have some responsibility and in fact going back to the young man i was talking to yesterday mm. the problem had been going on for 11 months mm. and so my question to him was why have you left it so long mm. and all sorts of quite reasonable things came out. I didn't want to appear weak. I didn't want to be difficult. It mm. was a, a new job. I wanted mm. to be seen to be doing well. Mm. Um, and he became more and more ground down by the situation. Mm. Yeah. So it then gets to the point where people are find it very difficult to talk about because they have left it to the point where it then starts to look as if it's sour grapes. It looks as if you're trying to justify... Um, that
3: you haven 't um succeeded in the way that the other person wants you to yeah, I mean there's a lot of internal processing going on there that is sorry to be blunt, but frankly storytelling um because he 's concerned about this absolutely I might look like this, and I might come over as that and uh, and so on and so forth, and that 's entirely human because we all do that i'
1: going to say so the storytelling is is one of the biggest challenges, I think. Um, in terms of you feeling happy in terms of you being successful and um, you know operating well in life that the more stories you tell yourself where you're in victim mode the more difficult it is for you to step into your power and actually take action.
3: See I think that's the paradox of justice yeah I think I mean I know you say oh you can't uh, not you can't stand in mistrust of everybody otherwise you you live but on the other hand if if you are have learnt lessons whereby you understand that um, you, you know you're not looking for somebody else to save you in some sense. Yes. You're not mm-hmm. expecting good behaviour from that person without any demonstration that they're capable of it. If you are actually a little bit reserved in who you trust, you are more likely to get justice in life. You are more likely to not suffer injustice, I'll put it like that. Um, so there is that paradox that, yeah, 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 it's good to trust and it's good to be open and it's good to, you know, understand that people have their own issues and, you know, forgive them and give. But mm. on the other hand, if, if if you're true that way, I mean, 11 months is a long time to sit and suffer and and then expect justice. Um, whereas if he had expected justice, as in had an innate request within his heart to say, no, no, I, de- I deserve more, this feels wrong. I am going to do something. Yeah. Then, then you know, arguably, possibly, who knows? In a different universe with a parallel life, maybe he wouldn't. Eleven months later, be seeking justice. So I think I think justice is something that people come to when they haven't stood firm enough in themselves in the moment. And, and again, that's not easy to do to, to have the wherewithal because we are brought up to be polite. We are brought up to to you know give people the the options and Mm. and 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 definitely in in the um british culture you know we don't we don't get angry straight away most british people tend to put a stick up a lip on and sort of get angry internally passive aggressiveness is more towards our our nature so you know but i do think that um, if you are capable of standing firm in the moment and and meeting out your own justice so to speak yeah by demonstrating that boundaries will not be crossed and you you can't actually get away with treating me like that um then then the subject of justice very rarely comes into your life i think i'd like to unpack what you've said because there's a lot in there and
1: i would say that if you've got a good sense of self-worth that that's where it starts. Rather than the not trusting other people outside, it's about trusting yourself inside and having that sense, that inner sense of um how I treat myself. I treat myself with respect and I expect other people to do the same.
3: So this is not an easy thing. I mean no, I agree. A, I've got a good example that happened fairly recently where um a working relationship suddenly turned very sour with with an email sent to me with an a, basically you know accusations um, implied nothing nothing overtly mm. yeah. implicit but definitely implied, and in the moment when I read that email, um, I felt the badness of it. I felt the injustice of it. You know, mm. I wasn't being treated fairly, um, or, or, or even arguably with respect. Now. I went round exactly the same cycle that everybody would in that sense mm. of, oh, God, you know, is it me? Did I do something wrong? I think it's How important should I... that you do review. I don't think you can't not, no. you know. Well, there are some <laughs> There are some who apparently appear to just react like that, but um, I don't know. I think they always have mm. the internal conversation. They're perhaps just a little bit more bullish in life. But um, I definitely went round the, so this is what I've got to put up with. So I've got to kowtow and be subservient and behave in this um rather um derogatory manner you know basically reduce myself in order to what in order to to fit in and 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 i totally accept that it was only because i had backup in the moment that i was able to stand firm and say "Mm -mm, that didn't feel right i'm not putting up with it if you can't see how you made me feel and and how you also need to um change then this is over this is done with and indeed, it it was because the other party could not see it, no. and and indeed claimed, as most bullies do, that um, everybody would would think the way he did. Um, I think there's a again there's a lot there in the, very often
1: in these relationships that somebody has a, a position. I'm not suggesting necessarily in your situation, but has a position of status, which then puts that other person on the back foot already because that other person has. Um, has the power that that status brings.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely part of it. But inevitably,
1: how you feel about yourself is going to make a huge difference in terms of how you deal with all of these things. And so I think having a really good sense of self um, and valuing yourself, that's not about I'm better than anybody else, but that I should be treated in a a respectful and honourable way. And if I'm not then I feel confident enough to say that's not good enough, enough, you've crossed the line.
3: Yeah, because there are very few scenarios in, in, in life, modern life, that are actually real. I mean, you know, you have agency as, uh, as a person on this planet. Yes. And nobody has status above you at that,
1: at that fundamental level no. level. no.
3: And then we come into structures which say I have a title that is more important than yours or yeah. or i have more money in the bank yeah these are not real structures they are they're only humanly as, created
1: but they're and, as real as we
3: allow them to be yeah and they are real in the sense that, that you know yes that that has mm. a point and yes we we do value people who have more money in the bank than than people who don't and that gives them a status and and yes there is a biological status of of um you know, exhibited by lobsters and the animal kingdom the world over that that uh, of territory and uh, and status therefore yes that that, it, that is there but ultimately when it boils down to it you have just the amount of same agency as the person who is giving you the injustice that's the self-worth you have to come to but it only works when you recognize
1: that you can step into your power yeah and that power is not about diminishing other people. And what we see a lot of, I think, at the moment is I'm more powerful than you that makes you lesser. And I think it's time for people to recognize that you have that um, value just being you. Mm. And if you step into your own power, you are far less likely to be on the receiving end of somebody else. Um, meeting out injustice because they are in not their genuine power but in their ego power and you can see lots and lots of of examples at, at every strata of society of people who are at the moment wielding that ego power and the only way I think that we are going to make a fundamental difference is when each person steps into their genuine power and really recognizes their worth and that takes work, and I think a lot of people at the moment are unconscious of, the, A, the fact that, that, that they have that power and how to get there. And that's one of the reasons why we've set up Genuinely You, one of the reasons why we do these genuine chats, um, is to really give you an opportunity to think. Um, we haven't got all the answers because um, ultimately your circumstance is going to be different. But you can always contact me through Genuinely uh, gina, so it's gina at genuinely-u.com. Um, you can raise questions and we'll be very happy to explore those. But if you're at the moment sitting with that sense that life is unjust, that you are a victim to circumstances, I would urge you to really think about the fact that you are a powerful being when you choose to step into that power and to take dominion over yourself. Not other people, but over yourself, and to recognize that ultimately how you operate in the world is going to be um, how other people will treat you. If you expect to be treated as a victim, make no mistake that there are people around who will treat you as a victim. But when you stand stand into your genuine power, you have got much more opportunity to set the boundaries and to keep them. Now, lots of information on the website genuinely hyphen youcom um, if you're interested in leadership then um, uh, enlightened leadership co. you can find Rachel's books which uh, the
3: there's a trilogy of spiritual novels called it's the Beyond veil series and there's, there's three books in in that so look it up on Amazon beyond veils
1: um, and I can tell you that they're great books really yeah. worth reading you'll find all of my books on Amazon um, you'll find lots on uh, YouTube it's genuinely you with Gina Gardner love it if you could subscribe leave a comment I'm on LinkedIn Tumblr and Facebook and we'll look forward to seeing you the next time take care now bye